yo, we're back <laughs> with another episode of Shit's Weird, bro. Was that a Rick and Morty opening? No, what? that's like what what it sounds like when a Honda goes by. <laughs> sure is. Yeah. I'm getting good. Pretty much the big old blown out exhaust <laughs> for no reason. But we are here to bring you the Kecksburg, Pennsylvania incident. We are. And what what you know what the people want, Christopher. A timeline? A timeline. The timeline is very short. So It is. On December 9th of 1965 at Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, USA. A large, brilliant fireball was seen by thousands in at least six U.S. states and Ontario, Canada. Ontario, but that's okay. Uh, whatever. Tomato, tomato. So Quite literally. It streaked over Detroit, Michigan, uh, slash the Windsor. Ontario? Uh, I think it's just Windsor, Canada. I think that's a different Area, place. Yeah. Uh, reportedly dropped hot metal debris over Michigan. <laughs> Dropping hot metal, son. Dropping that debris <laughs> over Michigan and northern Ohio, starting some grass fires and caused sonic booms in western Pennsylvania. And, it in, was, and in the Pittsburgh metropolitan area. Yeah, the Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh. We're all over starting the place Starting off right hot. Telling you, we haven't even drank. So it was generally assumed to be a, a meteor after authorities discounted other explanations like a plane crash, uh, errant missile test, or re-entering satellite debris. A satellite from Russia. Yes. They say. Uh, what ninety three? Um, Cosmos ninety three. Cosmos ninety three. With a K, of course, because they're Russian. communists. Is it backwards K or forwards it's K? A I don't know forward. how their alphabet works. It's regular forwards K. I think only their R's are backwards. So they, uh, the official claim is a meteor, but it has been challenged, but never changed. Is yeah, that's what the official record says. It's but it's one of the great unsolved mysteries. Definitely well, officially solved. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, on the books, it's officially solved. But there's plenty of eyewitnesses that say it was something oh, yeah. other than a meteorite that hit the ground. Because well, they it, well the military swooped in. That's and what took I'm saying. It away, it whatever was, it was, it wasn't like a meteorite. Yeah, if it's suspicious, the military will come in and they'll take a look at it and they'll be like, wait, okay, it's not a threat. Here, scientists come in, get your meteorite, whatever the hell you want to do, and then dip out. But they said that the military actually left with this thing on a flatbed truck, right? And it was, and plenty of people saw it. Leaving. Well, yeah, because it happened. It happened at like four forty-seven p.m. Yeah, not like it, it happened at four forty-seven in the middle of the night. Yeah, so it it came out of the sky from the northwest, a, a flaming object over Canada, Ohio, and into western Pennsylvania. Yeah, so it. To some, it appeared to be guided, so it changed its path, and it made a level descent away from residential areas and into the woods of Kettsburg. That's what uh, Bill Bullybush, my boy, that I've mentioned in other podcasts before. I I might have. I think I've just talked to you about him. Friend of the pod? Per friend of the pod, Bill Bullybush. Uh, he claims that he thought it was controlled. He can see it descending and then stop divert from the area that it was going to land mm -hmm. in and then end up crashing or landing somewhere else. Um, Bill Bullybush is actually one of the witnesses that snuck past 
the military slash mm. police uh, barricade. Slash um, other um, uh, agencies. Mibu? Yes. Maybe. Um, but I think I don't think he snuck past it. He got there before they did because he lived in the area. He saw it happen and he got there before they did. He shows up to the scene and he sees this acorn-shaped craft. It was about, I think he said it was about two meters tall. Uh, Which yeah, is about yeah, uh, 10 no, to 12 feet. Yeah, well, 10 feet. American. Yeah. American. Well, actually, that would be three meters tall then. Um, just about. But it was large acorn shape, just exactly what you mm. see in acorn shape. But it was upside down. so and Not unlike the movie Men in Black 2. When the ship did they rides, have it acorn? looks like an acorn. I don't remember it's that It's got an acorn well shape. Men in Black 1 is really the only Men in Black, but that's okay. Um, if you're a real fan, you watch the sequels. Not the shit with Chris Hemsworth. Men in Black 3 was dope. Was it? Yeah, I liked it. That was just me. Whatever. It came full circle because oh, they, yeah, they like time yeah, travel and shit right, like that. Right, it was pretty right. cool. But Bill Bullybush shows up to the scene, sees this acorn-shaped object that had hieroglyphs around the rim of it. So picture an acorn like you normally would see it mm-hmm. with a little cap on top and a little stem. Now flip it upside down. That's how it was oriented. And that part on the cap that usually is connected to the tree, that had the uh, the hieroglyphs all around it. They're so it's all- like a teardrop shape. Yes. It was almost like Egyptian-like hieroglyphs. When Bully Bush... Uh, You're not trying to tell me it was the Egyptian, sorry. No, they said it was Egyptian-like oh. hieroglyphs. I'm not saying it was the Egyptians. Um, it could be completely different. What the fuck kind of shit is that? It could it's be. hieroglyphs. Yeah, but... Basically. You, yeah, it could be... It's like wingdings. They put wingdings on there. You wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> um, but he he approached the, uh, the ship, and there was a glow coming off of it, a bluish glow coming off the bottom, and almost like exhaust. It wasn't making any noise, but there was stuff being moved. You can... You can it was just hovering there. Mm-hmm. You can see some type of propulsion happening um and there's cracklings and things like that bill bullybush was observing this thing trying to write down notes and memorize it when he hears people walking in the area around him Mm -hmm. he quickly learns that it's military uh it, it was military coming in the army coming in to secure the area personnel he dips and gets the hell out of there but he was one of the first people that was supposedly on the scene that actually seen it. Well, I it. mean, there could have been a shit ton of people on the scene because I don't. I think the military was uh, on the scene within an hour, and then by eight p.m., like everything was gone. It was on the back of a army U. <laughs> yeah, the flatbed. Flatbed truck. U boat. Not a U haul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was on a flatbed. They actually, well. They kind of have a picture of it. I don't know if that's real. Uh, there's a that, recreation in uh, Kicksburg. Well, they have it like it's like for, on it was top for of the show Unsolved Mysteries, I think. They well, then that, a, that may be what that is yeah. right there. Um, but there was other people on the scene, too. Did you see anybody else or across your uh, your research? I sure did. Go for it. Well, there's Shafton native Owen Eichler. Ooh, I didn't hear about him. He spent decades investigating it. He came he came to John Venture, state director of Muffon. Mufon. Muffon. We've we already went through this before. We're gonna argue about this till the end. It's Muffon. It's Mufon, but that's okay. 
And John Venture, he didn't start earnestly looking into Kecksburg until 2015 because there were so many other people already involved in the case. In they 2015, didn't need his that's expertise. That's four years ago. Well, I know it's recent, but that's like <laughs> way past when this he happened. He like just started yeah. looking into it. Yeah. Fresh eyes, bro. I've been looking at it longer than this guy has. So he, so Eichler comes to venture in February with a theory and some evidence that seemed to add up. So the two joined forces. So their research uh, put forth in a report with the title, Has a Top 5 UFO Case Been Solved? It suggests the vehicle was launched from uh, Johnson Island in the Pacific two days earlier as part of America's top secret program for spying on the Soviet Union from space. Mm, so it was a satellite. But it wasn't can... Russian. It was U.S. Right. But no one would ever want to admit that we were spying on Russia, which is an explanation well, as to why the taken away object was never explained. This happened in 65. This was right before the Mr. Cold War. Mr. Eichler was a 13-year-old boy in December of 1965. He was playing baseball in a field when he saw the predominantly green glowing object, object with yeah, yeah. wisps of yellow, purple, and orange colors shoot across the sky. I would have just been, ooh, ah. Like well, hundreds of other people saw the object, thinking that it that. might be a plane on fire, not knowing what to think. They all called the authorities, right? Mm-hmm. So Greensburg resident Stan Gordon, who grew up to be a noted UFO researcher or oh, ufologist. I think he got fucked up from this. That's what happened. He was 16 and listening to a radio program when the host began taking calls from witnesses. Dude, imagine listening to War of the Worlds and this happens. Oh, yeah, fuck me. Oh, you'd be screwed up. That'd be great. Anyways. And then John Hayes, he was 10 playing football when the object landed. Uh, despite the fact that his family lived nearby, he did not see it. But when he went in the house, uh, his dad had the radio on, and they said something crashed in Acme. Acme, He's, okay. Yeah, he this said town. he said that his mom was looking out the window and said, it's not an Acme, it's right out there. Look at all the cars across the hill. And there's activity all over the place. Yeah. So the first people on the scene were the curious neighbors. Then came volunteer firefighters, police. Speaking and of volu- they were fo- followed by reporters. Yeah, the volunteer firemen. Like mm-hmm. if we're talking about credible sources rather than, right. than just children. Uh, James Romansky, he was a volunteer firefighter who was one of the first along with Bill Bush this and those guys. This child is credible. I just want to let you oh, know. Okay, okay, okay. Um, he was one of the first to come along the object in the woods. Uh, at first he thought it was a plane crash, just like everybody else did because he saw it coming down with, he, it was on fire. Something was on fire. He couldn't tell what the hell it was. Right. He gets there and he sees exactly what Bill Bullybush had described. He sees an acorn shaped objects that were covered in hieroglyphs. He doesn't specifically say Egyptian like, but he just says covered in hieroglyphs. And he claims that he was ordered to leave by mysterious men in trench coats that he later saw uh, when he later saw them carrying out on a military flatbed. So there was two mysterious men that approached him in trench coats and say, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here. You mm. didn't see this. Mm. And they end up leaving with this thing on the military flatbed afterwards. Interesting. Yeah. And also Michael Rambacher a security officer for the Air Force Base claimed to have guarded the object, which arrived on the flatbed truck, and he believed that this object was not of this world. So it was either 
this guy just was ignorant to the technology and didn't know mm-hmm. that the government had something crazy or it was actually something that is not from here. So, I mean... Well, back to another eyewitness account. Stan Gordon. Right? Stan Gordon. That, if you remember that's a hell of a name. Before, he was 16 years old. Yeah, you can trust the Stan Gordon. Stan Gordon, for sure. That's like Commissioner Gordon. I'm about to say, he sounds like a superhero. Right. So there were re- reports of military personnel coming in after, you know, the firefighters, police, and reporters. So what struck the residents of Kecksburg and investigators is how quickly the military got there. Uh, it was more than two dozen of them. They arrived on scene and took charge, chasing people away. Get on! Go! And yeah. in later reports, the U.S. government claimed they were never tracking it, which makes no sense. Because they had to be tracking clearly. it. Clearly. The Canadian radar was tracking it. Yeah. So why wouldn't the U.S. radar it's be tracking it? It's over our soil. Yeah. Right. So Mr. Hayes, who was 10 at the time, saw the military men up close because they set up their command center in his family's two-story house overlooking the woods. The site offered them a view of the area as well as a working telephone. So, Mr. Hayes says, The first thing they did was tell my parents to send the kids to bed. Naturally, I was excited about things going on. Our bathroom was downstairs. I made quite a few trips to the bathroom that night. (laughs) So, there were a lot of men in uniforms and some men in suits. And it was clear to me the men in suits were in charge of everything. They were over top of the military and had a lot of clout. So, men in black. Clout, son. Clout. They using clout back in the 60s. Shit. The Colossus of Clout. <laughs> the fuck is that? I don't know. The Great Bambino? Yeah. See? Um, I, Sandlot? I, are you fucking shitting me, dude? I hate the Yankees. You are shitting the bed so hard on Sandlot right now. I am. I am. You know? I can admit when I'm wrong. I fucked up. I'll go and watch this movie tonight. So the men in black are in his house, basically. Yes. Right. So... He couldn't see down into the hollow where they were at, but he did hollow. see, uh, like the hallway. Oh, I was like, what the fuck? The a hollow, hollow of the house where it's open, and you can. And okay. that's where the, Never whatever. once referred to that as the hollow of my house. That's okay. It was the '60s. Yeah, in different words. Pennsylvania. Yeah, they're so probably Amish. He saw six guys in radiation suits take a box down there. Shit. Uh, he didn't see them bring it back out. He uh, he said later, inspection of the family's phone bill showed no evidence of any calls that were made. Mm, so they just wiped it clean. Right. And then some witnesses said authorities warned them away from the area because of risk of radiation from the object. object. And others were just ordered to leave at gunpoint. So they, they're like, so get they the fuck out. Yeah. Type of thing. Did you Have you heard about uh, John Murphy? Yeah, particularly strong stance against the official narrative. Yes, particularly. He was a, a news reporter, so, correct? Yes. And a radio so, host. So, a reporter and news director for the local radio station WHJB, John Murphy, arrived, arrived on the scene of the event before authorities had arrived in response to several calls that the station took from alarmed citizens. He took several photographs and conducted interviews uh, with witnesses, uh, his he took photographs of the uh, downed object in the woods. Correct, yes. not the witnesses. Well, he probably did just both. To, just to clarify, probably did both. But yes, he took uh, he took pictures of the object. Um, 
His former wife, Bonnie Mil- Mills, I don't know how to say that name, later reported that all but one of the rolls of film were confiscated by military personnel. Formerly Bonnie Murphy. Yeah, but whatever the whatever fuck that name, name is. is M-I-L-S-L-A-G-L-E. That's a, that's a tongue twister. She ain't Irish no more. That's it. <laughs> she had a little in her once. It's uh, <laughs> a little leprechaun. So a WHJB office manager, uh, Mabel Maza, described one of the pictures. It was very dark, and it was with a, it had a lot of trees around it. Everything, and everything. I don't know how far away the site was, but I did see the picture. Some sort of cone-shaped thing. That it's only it's the only thing only one that I ever saw. She didn't see any other pictures, only that one right. picture. It's like embedded in the ground. Yeah. In the mm. fo- in the following weeks, Murphy became enveloped with the incident and wrote a radio document documentary called Objects in the Woods, featuring his experiences and interviews he had conducted that night. Shortly before the documentary <clears throat> would have aired he received an unexpected visit from the station from two men in black suits identifying themselves as government officials. Hard air quotes over uh, government officials. Government officials. They requested to speak with him in the back room behind closed doors. The meeting lasted about 30 minutes. A WHJB employee, Linda, something I... Something fascia. Else, fascia. That, that sounds like something that goes on the car. Fascia. Euphagia? Euphagia. Could be that. Um, recall the man, the men confiscating some of Murphy's audio tapes from that night, and no one knows what happened to the remaining photographs. She said they were wearing dark suits and insisted on speaking with Murphy alone. Exactly. And they went to the back room, so nobody saw what happened. A week after a visit, an agitated Murphy aired a censored version of the documentary, which he had claimed in... The introduction he had edited due to interviewees requesting their statements be removed from the broadcast in fear of getting in trouble with the police and the army. The new version contained nothing revealing and did not mention an object at all. Mm -hmm. The supervisor or the manager, Maza, remembers the aired documentary was entirely different from what Murphy had originally written. After air, this this is where it gets kind of weird even though the men in black showed up to him and confiscated everything which is weird right. but after airing uh after airing the episode murphy became uh, became uncharacter jesus fuck i can't speak i didn't say nothing uncharacteristically despondent and completely stopped all investigations into the case and refused to talk to anybody about it and never gave a clear reason as to why then four uh, four years later in 1969 Murphy was struck and killed by an unidentified car and an apparent hit and run while crossing a road. The hit and run occurred in California while Murphy was on vacation. Yeah. And the person behind the wheel, they still don't know who it was. Yeah, it was a hit and run. They took off. But I can almost guarantee it was probably somebody that didn't have any facial hair, had weird pale features, and was wearing a black suit. And possibly... Was a vampire before. Oh, fuck, I forgot about that. <laughs> Smelled very earthy. The guy that scared Dan Aykroyd? Yeah. Yeah. The guys. The well, guys. One, one guy really scared Dude, him. Dude, that, that, mo- that, uh, that little video story clip? was creepy as shit. 
Well, let's talk about the object. The objecto. So, I think I know where you're going. Most investigators believe the object was taken to a hangar at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Oh, hey, what happened to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Chris? Oh, uh, I don't know. I think that's where they took the Roswell shit. Ah, what do you know? Some bitch, which is in Dayton, Ohio. Yep. Where one witness claims to have seen what appeared to be a small body on a gurney next to the object. Oh, God, here we go again. The witness told Mr. Gordon that there was an arm hanging down. It had three digits and lizard-like skin. Bro, lizard people came in on this goddamn acorn? Possible. Anyways. I mean, personally, I'm rooting for UFO evidence because uh, I'm a big fan of Muffon. But I really have to say uh-huh. there's a extremely good theory that this is a spy satellite. Spy satellite? Okay. Yeah. Still like an American spy satellite? Yeah. Uh, some people believe that the object was a Russian satellite called Cosmos 96. Is it with a K? Because I spelled it with a C. Well, there was. I've seen it both. In, okay. In a couple of articles I read. Maybe there was two and one was with a K and one was with a C. Son of a bitch. And it, that's what the hieroglyph said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the number wrapped around. <laughs> it's just so long in that hieroglyph. Yep. So the likelihood... Uh, of it being Cosmos 96 was actually debunked in 2003. Ah, well, shit. Uh, by Leslie Keen for the Sci-Fi Channel. Fuck her. So, the Freedom of Information Act gave her God access you, to an Bush. interview with an expert at NASA Johnson Space Center in Houston. And Miss Key determined that Cosmos 96 came down over Canada earlier the same day as the Kecksburg UFO. Oh, so the shit did happen on the same day. Right. So it did come down that day, but not But it was in Canada. Because the Cosmos, it had a bell or acorn-like shape similar to that object. Uh, However, it crashed in Canada at 3.18 a.m. And the Kecksburg crash didn't happen until 4 p.m. Yeah. Which is quite Which is the a thirteen difference. hour difference. Yeah. Right? So uh in addition to that, uh the two thousand three interview chief scientist of orbital debris at the NASA Johnson Space Center I want that job. in Houston. He stated, I can tell you categorically that there is no way any debris from Cosmos ninety six could have landed in Pennsylvania anywhere around four forty five PM. That's an absolute orbital mechanics is very strict. Which makes sense. I mean... He would know. Yeah, well, I mean, all you got to do is the math. You know what I mean? So, Mrs. Keene, she might have eliminated one possibility, but she still can't nail down what it is. Okay. Right, so it's not Cosmos 96. It's not a meteor. Uh, Right? Of that, we're sure. We're pretty sure it's not a meteor. Because they, they wouldn't have just taking it on a military flatbed no you know what i mean like a meteor is taken to the scientists and they're like there you go that's right you eat a cheeseburger and fries off of it like joe dirt (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that that right meteorite (laughs) yeah that's it anyways a few have suggested based on the size and shape of it that it might have been the infamous nazi bell like it the fucking wunderwaffen a World War II era experiment related to gravity and time travel. I was pulling it up. Some look of our at favorite, that look motherfucker. At that look at that shit. And then look at the replica of the object. Identical. 
I don't know. It's pretty close anyway. Inscriptions found on the Nazi bill and the so there. There's a picture of both of them. They have an actual. Well, this is a line sketch, but they have pictures of the Nazi bell from World War Two, and the hieroglyphs or the symbols that are on the bottom match what was on the Kecksburg bell. A layman might even say they're Egyptian-like. Yes, and they they match it quite quite closely. Uh, some researchers, me and Kyle, firmly believe that the Black Forest UFO crash in Freiburg, Germany in 1936 is in part responsible, even though it was 20 years earlier. It is there, It is our belief that from this incident, the search ahead in Nazi technology would come. Following that crash, SS troops recovered the remains and arranged for transportation to Third Reich headquarters in Wevelsberg, uh, castle uh, it's better than i would do so from here the the reverse engineering of that craft and its propulsion systems took place to some it's no coincidence that shortly after that incident advancements such as the v1 and v2 rockets happened or perhaps the hanabu vehicles another example well the v1 and v2 is a uh, I don't want to discredit your argument but mm-hmm. that's a different thing altogether because we paper clipped in Werner von braun and he was the he was the father. But if they had access, but if they helped reverse engineer, yeah, he was the father of the V one and V two. Well, then he, he, he probably could helped come up with it based on. He probably helped make the fucking thing right. in the first place. You right. know what I mean? We paper clipped him in after World War Two, mm-hmm. and he worked on the V one and V two uh, almost exclusively. He was the one that came up with it. Um, so it wouldn't be too far off base for him to get a hold of Nazis' version of the bell and reverse engineer it. Right. So the Hanabu is <laughs> is a vehicle that uses anti-gravity propulsion technology. So that could reach speeds of 1,700 kilometers per Jesus hour. Jesus, H. And it had armor that was completely resistant to heat, which would be beneficial if you're traveling 1,700 fucking kilometers an hour. Exactly. How many American miles per hour? I just, I'll look it up. Go for it and just talk. That, I'm unsure. Wait. <laughs> Isn't uh there's sixteen hundred there's sixteen hundred meters, which is one point six kilometers. I'm not doing in the math in my head. So one point six. That's really fucking fast. <laughs> uh, it doesn't. Well, the kilometers are seventeen hundred divided by one point six. It's one thousand one thousand fifty six miles. So one thousand fifty six miles. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Hot damn. So moving. The, Referring back to the Nazi bell, those experiments took place in Poland near the Czech border at a facility called Der Rice. Der Wienerschnitzel? Like dirty rice. Oh. Like Der Rice. Der Rice, yeah. Uh, Witkowski, who I yeah. don't have a first name for. Witkowski, that's fine. That's Polish enough. Yeah. <laughs> His research <laughs> indicates that the bell itself was housed underground. However, during live experiments, it would float upwards toward the opening of a hatch. It remained in place with chains connected to a concrete structure that is still there today. And Witowski refers to this as the henge. Although mainstream researchers believe this is the remains of a cooling tower. Ah, okay, gotcha. But it was actually used to house the bell. Allegedly, allegedly, what the fuck ever. Yeah. 
The bell itself measured around 15 feet high and about nine feet across in its base. In its at its base. Yep. Around the base, those hieroglyphs, like you said, uh, it was a hard, heavy metal. It makes up the exterior of the bell. However, the Glock. The inner workings and contents of the interior are of more interest. Like many theories, yeah. Look at that fucking thing. Yeah, all that purple shit. I'm getting to it. Ooh, there's there's something up with that purple shit. Go like, for it. <laughs> like many theories in Nazi technology, at its core was anti-gravity propulsion. According to the documents, Witowski would translate, two cylinders would counter-rotate. As has happened, a substance similar to mercury and violet in color called... The purple shit. Zerum-525 fills those cylinders. So Zerum-525 was said to be extremely volatile and was stored in a meter-high thermos flask in itself meter high it was encased in lead well that's where you want to store radioactive materials yes highly volatile when the bell was active anything within 200 meters of it would suffer great injury if not death according to the mystery records five of the seven original scientists selected for the project died during the experiments Effects of these injuries include the formation of crystals in animal tissues and gelling and separation of the blood. Well, I could see the gelling Turn a motherfucker into jelly. That's it. Gelling and separating, motherfucker. Shit. So what? They separated like the platelets from the plasma? Yeah. Just from being around this thing. Yeah, it just... Completely. Well, the the serum, just being around the serum, right? Because it's so when radioactive. it's active, being around the bell, oh, when it's okay. active, like when it's turned on, right? Because it has that volatile material. So just how the fuck it. do they grow animal tissue? It crystallizes animal tissue. Oh, so like imagine us. the pain yes. of that. Yeah. yeah, where you well, it's basically like getting uh, gangrene, right? right? That's what happens when you get when you yeah. freeze just all the fucking needles. Yeah, yeah, yikes. So a mirror-like material lined the or interior. frostbite, sorry. It, yeah, yeah. A mirror-like material lined the interior of the bell. So when it's active, the mirror would show visions of the past or future. What this motherfucker was a time traveler? Yeah, I told you that in the beginning. Shit. Perhaps even more fascinating is that the craft even has the ability to bend time space. Yeah. So essentially, it's a Nazi time machine. That just hurt my brain. Bend time space. That's amazing. So there was a video of it, but uh, I just, I didn't it's watch it. It's probably fake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the first name of uh, Witowski is Igor. <laughs> of course. <laughs> just like all the other, yeah. Abby. Abby normal. Oh, you mean the Eastern European guy named Igor? That's weird. Did he have a hunch? No. Oh, damn it. He's not the real Igor then. Mr. Frankenstein. <laughs> so is it... <laughs> Possible that the strange acorn-shaped craft crash-landed in Woodland in Kecksburg was actually the Nazi bell? I think it was. I mean, regardless of how bizarre it may sound, that the bell and the leader of the project, Hans Kamler... Gruber? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they may have just transported themselves through time. Oh, all right. You see what I mean? Like and it was crash landed in Kecksburg. They're like, it's oh shit! Actually, a Nazi bell from World War Two. They they, they were experimenting. They're experimenting, and they just went poof, and they're like, oh shit! 
here we are. Or it's probably more probable that probably wow. Sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm giving them a look right now, yeah. listeners. The Bell and its technology entered America as part of Operation Paperclip. Uh, so might the Kecksburg incident have been a sighting of the continuation of the project? Uh it might not been be too far off because if we go back to the Roswell incident, mm-hmm. I think I established that the downed aircraft wasn't alien in nature. It was actually uh, either German or reversed engineered German uh, Tech. early prototype of the mm-hmm. B two bomber that Ooh. that the uh, that the U S was trying to come up with um, in. It, it, it was there was two there was two scenarios. One was that it was propaganda to get us into the Cold War against uh, Russia because they were saying that it was uh, well actually Russia did it and they uh, mutilated these people and turned them into uh, something like UFOs uh, not UFOs turned them into something that looks like the Greys floops floops they turned them into floops. And Going with Spy Kids references. They now. they flew them over the top. They flew them over and they they crashed. They didn't crash on purpose. They were just doing it to freak the U.S. out. They were mm-hmm. saying that Stalin was doing that, or it was the U.S. because people, a bunch of German engineers, had been paper clipped in. They were reverse engineering a German uh, B, early B two uh, stealth bomber and trying to make their own, but they ended up crashing and people saw it so they were trying to cover it up so it's not too far off base so you think this and roswell same breath i think so because it's not too far off base that they were trying to figure out the nazi uh they call it a Diglock. i don't know how you say it in german but it was d-i-e well, not only that block hans uh Gambler, he ended up defecting to the u.s after the war right i believe so i know so I just asked you a question that I knew the answer to. Like, I'm a oh, dick. it was rhetorical. Yeah. Got it. Fuck you. Uh, but it's not too far off base that they could uh, be trying to reverse engineer the Diglock. Well, that would also explain why the military was so like fast. This, they're trying to cover the shit yeah. up as quickly as possible. Um, and it's kind of a big fucking coincidence that they both got taken to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. That early prototype—I forgot what they call it—but the early prototype B-2 bomber that crash landed in Roswell was seen by the government in Area 51 real quick, and then taken to Wright Patterson really fucking fast. Same thing with this one, right? So it's not too far off base that Wright Patterson Air Force Base was the hub of the U.S. trying to reverse, reverse engineer, engineer Nazi technology. Which is reverse engineered alien technology. Some would say. Some would say that Hitler was in contact with extraterrestrials. I would say. I said we would say. We said that the Black Forest UFO crash in Freiburg, Germany, 1936. Freiburg, Germany, yeah. 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 We're not doing that again. That was a disaster the first time we did it. Uh, That one wasn't too bad, but the first time we did it, way off the rails. Well, and if you recall when uh, the great ufologist Alan Greenfield... From, from MUFON. Yes, from MUFON. 
He interviewed Dr. Werner von Braun in 1970 von Braun, yeah? about how the Germans had become so technologically more advanced than the rest of the world. And his reply was blunt and simple. He said, we had help from them. Yep. And well, he informed Greenfield and mentioned with his head to the UFO documents the researcher was reading. He said, uh, he asked... Greenfield asked Von Braun if he meant extraterrestrials, and he said yes. Okay. That's smoking gun, bro. (laughs) Werner Von Braun. He's one of our most trusted scientists, even though he's a fucking Nazi. Why? Because he's smart as shit. Who trusts a Nazi? I don't care how smart they are. Well, that's what... Joseph Mengele was real smart. I don't trust him. I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him. Nope. You're trying to be Uncle Jojo. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker get the hell out of here. Anyways, but that that's what was so controversial about paper uh, pro- paper project clip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> project paper clip was that we were bringing in all these Nazi war criminals that had been not convicted, but they were accused of these horrible uh, war atrocities, which we know they had committed, whether it be... Uh, they wanted to or they were just under the influence of the Nazi regime and they had to do it. We still they committed these atrocities and we brought them over because they were literally the smartest people in the world. Like we got to the moon because of Werner von Braun. We created. Uh, nope, he wasn't on that, but we got to the moon because of him and created the Saturn V rocket. Because of Werner von Braun. That's something mm-hmm. that we couldn't figure out beforehand. And we had the help of fucking Albert Einstein. And we weren't able to get to the moon just off of his. Off Damn, of his so knowledge. you're trying to tell me that if you take the smartest Jew up against the smartest Nazi. The German might the, be the, superior. No, he was No, I know. No, he's not. No, he Einstein was. was you know what he was. He was a bastard. <laughs> Who? Einstein? No, not Einstein. Oh, oh Werner von Braun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was smart as yeah. a motherfucker. But it's... Morals? <laughs> he defected. Yeah, he... Paperclip. Yeah, you're all right. You're pretty smart. You, you can you can help us. You can oh. Come on over. But... Help us kill more people, I guess. He... Uh, not really. I I understand. I can see why. No. Yeah. Not really. No. Uh, not when he was. We don't kill people, Christopher. The United States is pure. Bigly pure. <laughs> so, uh, I forgot where I was going. I was going somewhere with Einstein on that one. You're talking about Einstein. Oh well, there wasn't. A, there wasn't a big push for the space race when Einstein was still alive and he was doing it. I'm sure Einstein could have figured out how to get us to the. To the moon, but Werner von Braun was integral in so many different uh, things that we have. Obviously, you, you, the Saturn V rocket, and then you were talking about the V1, V2 rockets. Mm-hmm. He That was Werner von Braun. Straight up, every single one of them, it was him. And I don't know. Who's to say that he didn't carry on other endeavors besides just a V1, V2, Saturn V how can I, he, I just want to know why were we so quick to dismiss the fact that it was the bell that went through time from the yeah, 1940s. Yeah, we just kind of skipped over that. 
to Kecksburg and just fucking crash landed. Yeah, we just skipped over that. That would be fucking amazing. What? Let's revisit that. Okay, so what? What do you think Hitler did when he was watching this test happen? Who says he watched the test? He was fucking there. It was the biggest test that they had ever done. It, there it were, includes time travel. Time he travel. Was probably there. He was fucking there. Like, <laughs> come watch. Come watch it. We think we got something. Do here. you think the president was watching the Philadelphia experiment? Could have been. I don't Definitely know, man. Been. I don't know. Well, that could have been held high, in... High See, military it's, it's, people? Sure. In the, the president? The, I don't know. The Third Reich was a little bit different from how we run things. I think Hitler... Are you trying to tell me that he was a dictator? Could have been. Okay. Just that, a tad okay, bit. That's fair. Just a tad right. bit. Hitler had... He was watching everything. So... He had it, a little problem with releasing control. <laughs> tad bit. A little bit. Even with that mustache, he just wouldn't mm. let it go. He just how the little sliver that was hanging on, he just held on to it. He needed that control. But the if they had anything close to working, I'm sure he was there. So what would Hitler have done if all of a sudden they're like, run the test, and they run the test, and all of a sudden just poof, gone. And it facts. <laughs> yeah, but the it's gone. It's fucking in 1960s U.S. You're excited for like a few hours and then you're like, wait, how do I get it back? <laughs> but what is, what, Rufer? <laughs> Bring it back! He killed everybody. They're like, good work creating the time machine. Bring it back. I can't defeat Kills them all. That's why he was so mad. Kills them all because it couldn't come back. Just because, uh, because of whoever was in the. They obviously sent some amputee because it said that he had lizard-like skin yeah. and three digits. Well, that could have been because of the radiation that you were talking about oh, earlier. Oh, shit. That, I didn't even fucking yeah, think about that. Because you were talking about how if yeah, it, when it yeah. was turned on, skin crystallized and things like that, that type of lizard-like that skin. That would give you lizard-like skin if you're... Well, possibly. I don't know for certain. To but the it, untrained eye. It, <laughs> It definitely could have given you lizard-like skin. The three fingers, I don't know. Maybe he was just throwing up a gang sign, and he had one like curled back, and you couldn't tell. I mean, tell. if his skin, if his uh, muscles and everything were crystallizing, he, he probably had one, was. He could have had one flip back, and uh, nobody would have noticed. You know, throwing up the West Side. With sight. Maybe he was listening to Tupac. He was time traveling. Uh, he was rolling down the street, That's smoking and <laughs> sipping on gin and juice. Biatch. I was thinking of the laid back, but that's oh, okay. But you know, it's it's my it's one of my favorite. Uh, they just threw it in there to mix it up. A oh, yeah, bit. The too short bitch. Yeah, that works. But he could he could have been listening to some Tupac, gone back, and California Love came on, and they're like, yeah, this is what you do. And he could have just crystallized in the West Coast formation. California Love came on in 1940. No, he, they, were, they were time <laughs> oh, traveling. Ti- oh, so they bounced around. Yeah, they were time traveling. They, just- they traveled to the 90s real quick and just, oh shit, this is dope. And they started throwing up the West Coast. Now I'm starting to see why we dismissed that so quickly. <laughs> Fuck. No, but it definitely could have happened. I mean, if you look at the Philadelphia experiment and how they were experimenting with, this is 
a completely different technology well, yeah, from my understanding. Electromagnetics and... Well, yeah, it was a Tesla coil and things like that. Yeah. And Nikola Tesla was involved in the mm-hmm. Philadelphia experiment because he was still alive. His... He time traveled there and he was heading the project. But his technology was involved. No, he was fucking there oh, heading fu- the project because oh. he time traveled. Here we go. We already went over this. Yes. Due to the Montauk project. The Montauk project brought him back, oh. gave him to Philadelphia and said, there you go. So... This isn't uh, sci-fi. This is real life. This happened. We have books that show us because books are 100% factual. Yes. Um, I forgot where the <laughs> I fuck don't know I was where the fuck you were going. Had no clue. So no, the uh, technology is completely different. So it, I mean, it's not too far off base that this could have actually happened if we believe. Well, hang on, hang on. So two separate technologies. Both brought about time travel, so electromagneticism and um, radioactive, and whatever the fuck they were using five two five. It was some type of radioactive bullshit. Um, uh, radioactive, I think, is green, if I remember right, from all the cartoons. It's not necessary. It depends no. on what element you're using. Oh. <laughs> but uh, every single cartoon depicts plutonium. Oh, uranium is yellow, isn't it? Well, if you look at... what is that uranium that they use in The Simpsons? Yellow cake uranium would be yellow, I'm assuming? I would assume so. That's what Stewie says. Um, But in The Simpsons, he uses that that green rod. Mm -hmm. What what is that? Plutonium? I'm assuming. I think it's plutonium. Plutonium 210, to be exact. Oh. Getting specific on you. Getting getting Pacific on you. Dope! Um... But if we believe in this Philadelphia experiment and we believe that they were able to create this ship just poofing into the Philadelphia shipyard, poofing New York, coming back. Poofing the Caribbean. Yeah, you said to go into the Bermuda Triangle as well. And coming back, the Nazis were way more advanced than we were at that time. It's Well, this predates Philly, Philly, Philly. It predates it by quite a bit, by about twenty years or so, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's not—it's not crazy to think that they had something up their sleeve because there was plenty of we've done we've gone over plenty of episodes here where they were astounded by Nazi technology. Yeah. Like I think in the Roswell episode, they when don't they, you see? Isn't that kind of fucked up to put like Nazis in like a high horse type I feel like we gotta beat them down somewhere because we're like oh they had the the best technology hey, and they were very advanced they fucking lost with they lo- all that technology they had, they had squad they had they were the warriors and they fucking lost they, in the first round bit, yeah maybe not the first round I don't know if they were the warriors it took the it was the warriors in 2016 well all I know is the you motherfuckers. All Control your dog, asshole. <laughs> it took a couple big Houston Rockets to end that war. That and it wasn't it. Chris Paul and James Harden. It it took some Cavaliers to end it. Yeah, in 2016. 16. Yeah. 16. Yeah. LBJ and Kyrie. Anyways. Yeah, they lost the fucking thing. They had all the most advanced technology... And they just fucking, for nothing. They had all this shit, they were working on it, and they're like, I am the most advanced. And then they just get fucked up Until, by well, us okay. true 
Blue collar, hardworking no. Americans. No, no, that's not what happened. Okay. They had all this technology, all this good shit, and we basically killed all of their peons. And yeah, we blew up the Japanese. Their leader moved to Argentina. Argentina. Their main evildoers moved to Argentina with the big dickhead half mustache man. And then they're more of like a quarter mustache. The people that were in charge of all of this great technology, we were like, okay, you can come be on our team. They're like, really? Really? Yeah, but that was I'll after. I'll throw a V into anything. That was after the German war. Accent. That was after the war, but. Yeah. It, the atrocities you commit during, I mean. No, I'm not saying that it was good for them to do it, but that was after it wasn't during the war. That's not why they lost. But if so if we would have killed all of the Nazis and Operation Paperclip didn't happen. So what would technology look like today? Far different, I think. Uh you know, we got some smart motherfuckers over here that would have figured some shit out. I don't think it would have happened nearly as quickly. I'm just saying how much of our modern world is it owes itself to alien tech that's been reverse engineered just so happened to fucking crash landed in Germany. Mm. So it was reverse engineered by terrible people. It had a greater good eventually. There could be a lot of things that, that are... Reverse engineer. So the, the lesson here, kids, is tech, really amazing things, falls into the wrong hands. It'll eventually find the right hand. Okay. That's, right? That, yeah, moral of the story, Chris. Eventually, eventually, it comes right round, like a record, baby. Right, right round. round. Right, right round. round.